Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The wilderness. It's a hot, dusty, lonely, maddening place. It comes out of nowhere and surprises you with its hot blast of tests. It's the ultimate test of character. It's the place where you come face to face with yourself and with what you believe. It's a place no one chooses, a place everyone would rather avoid. It's the place where you come to the end of one chapter and await the next and try as you might, you cannot speed the wilderness along. It's simply there. It's that liminal space. And try as you might, you can never seem to fully prepare for the wilderness. When I first came to St. Timothy's, one of the first and primary questions our pastoral staff asked was, what to next? Many in the congregation had experienced 3DM huddles, various iterations of grow groups, and some had even become missional communities. But the evolution of our small group ministry had seemed to slow. So we took some time to evaluate curricula and various models. As we discussed, debated, and tried different models on for size, it became clear that continu continually evaluating and challenging our small groups is important. Small groups are very important. And there are good and many helpful models for small groups. But there is no perfect model for discipleship. One size cannot fit all. No model can guarantee spiritual growth, and no model can produce the fruit that seems to only come in the wilderness. In Exodus 16, we find God's people in the wilderness. God's people had been freed. They had been freed from the oppression of 400 years of slavery, only to find themselves stuck in the wilderness in no man's land. They had eaten what they had packed and there was nothing left. No food, no water, nothing. They began to wonder what the point was of being free if you couldn't live another day to enjoy it. They thought back to their former lives and started to misremember their time in Egypt. They began to imagine that they had eaten like kings with plenty of food to spare their thoughts quickly turned to complaints, and they wished to go back. They wished to go back to slavery. Now, this seems like an absurd story. Who would prefer slavery to freedom? Who wouldn't at least want the opportunity to experience the new reality of freedom, even if it was unsteady and unpredictable? Of course, it's easy to criticize, this is our human condition. It's easier to remain with what we know than to take a risk and venture into the unknown. We even have a saying for it. Better the devil that you know than the devil that you don't. It's kind of a terrible saying, especially for a Sunday morning, don't you think? The amazing thing is that scripture is honest. 
It doesn't glorify God's people by recounting some tale of how they got it all right and never doubted. It tells us that almost, almost immediately after they were freed, within a couple of months in this story, they complained and wanted to go back. They did not trust that God would provide and that they would survive the wilderness. They thought they were going to die. They didn't beg or plead to be saved. They wanted to go back. So they grumbled and complained against their leaders, against Moses and Aaron. Chances were slim that they actually could go back, that they could recross the Red Sea. And what would they do if they went back? Beg to be slaves again? They couldn't do that. They couldn't go back. But they didn't know how to go forward. So they chose what made the most sense. They complained. Maybe it just felt good to do something. Complaining might not change anything, but at least they could say that they were doing something. Maybe Moses and Aaron could do something about it, or at least sympathize with them. So they complained. They were stuck. They didn't want to be there, and they didn't know how they could survive. If we were God, we might wonder why we bothered to free our people in the first place. They were clearly undeserving and were not productive or forward thinkers. They were a pain in the neck. But instead of expressing anger or leaving to the, them to their own devices, God abundantly provided for them. The Lord told Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. God made a plan to give them just what they needed for each day. It reminds us of that prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It wasn't too much, and it wasn't too little. He would provide for them each and every day and would even make a way that they wouldn't have to gather on that seventh day. They could have a Sabbath each week. They could rest. They would gather twice as much on the sixth day so that no work would be done or could be done on the seventh day. They would need to rest. God provided abundantly for their needs, not because they earned it or even because they asked for it, but because God decided to provide. When we are in the wilderness, it's easy to look around and wonder when this hard-packed dirt, this ugly wilderness will finally be over and why in the world we are stuck out here. Will it be forever? We see the rolling tumbleweeds and the, and the vulture circling overhead. We feel abandoned. It's dry and desolate out here. If we yell, will anyone hear us? Is anyone out there? 
feels like some bad accident or some form of cruel punishment. Have we been forgotten? Can we expect anything but frustration and pain out here? How can something purposeful or even good come out of the wilderness? No one likes the wilderness. No one, not even Jesus, chooses the wilderness. But in scripture, we discover that the wilderness is purposeful. It is not an accident. The wilderness for the Hebrews was the necessary place before entering the promised land. It was the place they experienced the presence and abundant provision of God. And it was the place they were tested. The wilderness was where Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Gospel of Mark says that it was where Jesus was thrown out into by the Spirit before he began his ministry. Jesus was sent to the wilderness to be tested by the devil and to clarify beyond a shadow of a doubt what his ministry would be all about. For Jesus, the wilderness lasted 40 days. And for the Hebrews, it lasted 40 years. The wilderness is where all, where all supports are washed away and we have no other choice but to ask the hard question. Do I really believe God? Do I trust that he will provide for me in this wilderness? Will he meet me in this time of need? Will he meet us in this time of need? As we ask these questions, it's important to recognize our expectations. What are we looking for to prove God's provision? What are you looking for to prove God's provision for you? When I was a young adult, I read a devotion in in the book, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And there was a particular devotion that I thought was profound. He wrote that sometimes we are bitter or have hardened hearts toward God because of something that he failed to do for us, but something that he never actually promised to do. Now, I can't tell you how many times I have thought back to those words, recognizing times where I've harbored anger toward God because of something that I had hoped for, but that he had never actually promised me. The first time I recognized this was when I was a young adult. I was angry that I was single and I had no prospects for marriage, none that I could think of. And I had been angry for a long time. And I thought about this devotion and I realized that God had never promised me a spouse, but I had been holding him to it and angry that he wasn't providing what I wanted for myself. The demand for God's provision exactly when and how we want reaches its boiling point in the wilderness. When the Hebrews were stuck in the wilderness, God did not meet their expectation. Whatever it was, God didn't meet it because they grumbled and complained. And then when he miraculously provided for them, they asked, what is it? 
In Hebrew, that is mana. Mana? What is this? They had no idea what God had provided for them, so they called it, what is it? And then, of course, the timeliness of when he sent it wasn't what they expected. However much each person and family had gathered, it was just enough. If they kept it overnight, it would spoil, except if they kept it from the sixth to the seventh day. They actually were supposed to keep it from the sixth to the seventh day because God would not send manna, manna on the seventh day. He wanted them to rest. He provided for them in this particular way because he wanted to test their obedience. Would they trust him to provide for them just as he promised? Would they demonstrate their trust by collecting food exactly as he had told them? As the story goes, some were obedient and others weren't. And after a while, they complained, not because they were hungry, but because they were bored of eating the same thing day in and day out. Despite their complaints and disobedience, God remained true to his promise and eventually brought them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. And it took 40 years to get there. What you are looking for in this time in the wilderness may not be what God wants to provide for you. Not because God is uncaring or because he likes to watch you suffer. Uncaring and enjoying suffering is not in the character of God. As we remember from Psalm 86:15, he is a God of compassion and mercy. He's slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. He is faithful. When God does not provide for you in the way in which you expect, God in his eternal wisdom and love desires to accomplish something different in you. The best comparison we have for this is a loving parent with their child. The child wants what they want and they want it now, but the parent has a broader perspective. The parent knows that instead of having the child stay awake longer, it's actually best if they go to sleep now so that they don't get overtired. The parent knows that instead of having the child play right now, it's better to change their diaper so that there's not some explosion later on. Now, there's countless examples that many of you have an experience in your lives of this example. God has a perspective and a will for us that you and I simply cannot comprehend in many moments of our lives. But you can trust that God is good and that he loves you. He is faithful to his promises. And he will provide for you, even in the wilderness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many examples in Scripture of you providing for your Son and for your people in the wilderness. We pray that you would continue to 
keep us faithful just as you are faithful. We pray that we would not resort to complaint or give up, but we pray that you would give us the encouragement and courage that we need to move forward in this wilderness until this time is done. We thank you for Jesus, for his constant presence to us, that he is the bread of life, the undeserving bread for us, bread for the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.